0: Hi, my name is Duncan and we are the Fantasy Football Fanatics. I'm in Manchester and I'm joined by Andy in Oakland and Ben in LA this week. Ben, what is your football moment of game week 10?
1: Uh, can I have, can I have two moments? So uh, my first moment is I only saw two highlights of the Arsenal game, but they were pretty entertaining. One is Granit Zucker, the captain, getting substituted and fans just booing him. And then he's kind of inciting them. He's holding his hand to his ear and then he takes off his shirt. He throws it on the floor and then he walks down the tunnel. So that was pretty funny. And, uh, the second one was, it was injury time. So our about to go through a goal and Genduzi just rugby tackles him at the halfway line to stop him going through and got a yellow card. So I thought that was also pretty hilarious. Uh, that, I don't know if you. Th- I don't know if you thought that was that was hilarious as an Arsenal fan too, Duncan.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I actually did. I think the the Jacker booing thing, like, you can't pick a captain who all the fans hate, and then when they when they boo him, he throws the shirt on the floor. It's not a good look. Uh, and the the Gwenzouzi tackle, I'm actually quite I'm quite proud of him for doing that. For for like a good few years, I don't think Arsenal midfielders would have been savvy enough to just completely rugby tackle someone cynically in a crucial time in the game when it could have been exposed on the break but Grandzy both arms like a full rugby tackle to the back that was <laughs> awesome that's what you want to see in like the 97th minute and he's he's potentially through on goal so now that was good uh yeah bit of yin and yang the arsenal yeah. midfield i like it then
2: i find the uh, the granite Shaka situation fascinating because it seems like the more arsenal fans hate him the more Integral Emery makes him to the team. It's almost like I'm not sure who's being trolled, whether it's the Arsenal fans or whether it's Granit Xhaka himself. But it's like a a really strange situation.
0: Yeah, he probably doesn't want to be captain. The fans don't want him to be captain. (laughs) The whole Arsenal hierarchy is. To be fair, he has been subbed a few times recently, so maybe he might he might get a little bit of time on the bench. That would be amazing if he did. Um, I'll (laughs) say. How about you, Andy? What's your football moment of the week?
2: My, uh, my football moment of the week is a, something that we haven't seen Man U do really since game one of the season, which is score an exciting, intricate and good goal. Martial's goal against Norwich was completely different from anything I've seen Man U do this season. It was like a flowing move with a back heel and a chipped finish from Martial. Um, and for the, I actually feel hope today as a Man U fan. With uh, with Martial being back, that like that gives us like enough movement going forward that we could actually cause teams trouble that aren't when we're not counter-attacking. Now I realise that's hanging by a thread because Martial doesn't have a great history with injuries or effort, but um at least give me something to cling to. So that that was my football moment of the week.
0: I I mean it's a good moment, but I'm, I want to pick you up on something. I think in your first kind of two or three games when Martial was fit and up front and. You know, everyone was scrambling to get him. I think you did score a couple of those kind of flowing moves on the break, maybe against Chelsea or Wolves. Well, yeah, I think Chelsea's first
2: game of the season.
0: Yeah, and, and, and Wolves, Wolves in the second game, I think Martial scored a really classy goal in that one as well. So maybe it's just Martial's effect on the team, and that's hopefully going to be back. Well, I think it's,
2: it's mostly the effect of having a balanced front line. Um, which Martial gives us and uh, if you've only got James and Rashford I don't like alone they can't really do it in front of a midfielder Fred McTominay you know and the rest of our attacking line has been woeful this season but I think when you put Martial back in there you've got three attacking players who can do something and that's enough to create an attack with so I don't think it's necessarily Martial himself being this wonder player so much as just balance in the team um, but it does. That, that's, the, that's the, the thread that I'm hanging to anyway with my hope and I'm really hoping he stays fit and, and performs well for the next few games because we need some points
0: Yeah, fair enough I, definitely echoing a lot of what Matt has been saying about balance when we talk about Man United and it may be coming back so that's good My, I can't believe we got to the end of the football moments with me and no one has mentioned the Leicester game that's my, uh, that's my <laughs> football moment it was a lovely that's what Friday night football is supposed to be for um, yeah, I mean, I didn't expect much. I didn't have much on. I thought I'd settle down and watch it. And it was an absolute treat. And I think the biggest, the biggest kind of treat that came out of the game was Ben Chilwell kind of announcing himself. Finally, he's, so, he's shown so much promise going forward, you know, for England, for Leicester. And he's never he's picked up the odd assist here or there, but never really kind of made good on his, his potential. But this game, he was just on absolute fire. To be fair, Southampton were woeful, but he got two assists and a goal, and, and all three of those um, contributions were top quality. So, yeah, Leicester thrashing uh, Southampton and Ben Chilwell was my big highlight. Did you guys see the game?
2: Uh, highlights. I saw the highlights. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot because uh, I have both Sioun Chu and Vardy and uh, most of you guys have C and Shaw on your bench, and Vardy not in your team. So that I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> that <laughs> that was painful. Of,
0: that kind of moves us on quite nicely to FPL moments. I'm guessing that's your FPL moment of the week, Andy. It's
2: not actually because um, enjoyable though it was. I did some actual research on a different FPL moment, so I'm going to give you something else. Okay. Uh, goalkeepers are my FPL. Well, not only a moment, more of a highlight of the week, um, because. There were a lot of really high-scoring goalkeepers without clean sheets this week. Um, We had, obviously, the sort of most notable one of those is Tim Krull, who, once he gets his three bonus points, will have 16 points this week, despite conceding three goals. Um, He made two penalty saves uh, and eight saves overall. Um, So, you know, it would have been 5-1 without him saving those penalties, so a really huge score for him. Um, ben Foster in a nil-nil got three bonus points as well, so he got ten points. Edison got nine points despite being uh, in an absolute trouncing of three-nil without seemingly much to do. But he was—he also got two bonus points and made five saves. Gazaniga today uh, made twelve saves in one match, so it seems to have been a very big week for goalkeepers. And even um, I was sort of forlornly looking at Matt Ryan in my goal, but he—he uh, he, he actually got uh, two bonus points and made six saves, so he got four points. So. Yeah, lots of saves this week, which have translated into points in fantasy.
0: Yeah, definitely. And Gazaniga, I think Gary brought him in uh, recently, uh, doing, the, doing the business for him this week, potentially, with those save points.
2: Indeed. If you will, though, in addition to that, I've just realised something. Let me have one point from the Leicester game. Is Jamie Vardy got 89 points in the bonus point system, which I don't think I've ever seen before. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's pretty huge. And considering he hadn't been involved in the first four goals, was it something like that? I hadn't really yeah. been involved in the game up until that point. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. Maybe it it's is. just he's so efficient. He doesn't miss when he shoots. So he's not getting any points reduced for, for shots going wide.
2: Yeah, maybe. Incredible. Like I've seen um, other players get like hat tricks and get sort of. 50, 55 odd points, eighty-nine. I've never seen anything like that before. Anyway, back to goalkeepers. Yeah, goalkeepers, big week for goalkeepers this week, and normally sort of a often an overlooked position in the team. Um, and real, uh, real turn, real returns this week.
0: How about you, Ben? What's your FPL moment of the week?
2: Mine is kind
1: of FPL trolls come back. So if, if you remember to preseason. A lot of people were talking about Iozzi Perez as a really good pick. I think I actually had him in my team when, I, when we started the season. Contin- continued to do nothing until this weekend where he scored the hat-trick, um, which was quite funny. And then the other preseason pick, Luca Dean. Um, also, I had him in the team early in season. Uh, this had an unfortunate week this week. He got an assist, ruled out. I think it was, it was dubbed our own goal, so he didn't get his assist. And then in the 93rd minute, concedes an own goal himself, uh, giving him a minus one. So I think two early, early picks having vastly different fortunes
0: this week, I thought was quite funny. And I, those, are, those are good ones for the trolls. But you've, you've missed out one of the key trolls, Callum Wilson. Uh, is that three blanks in a row? Two blanks in a row at least for him? Um,
1: yeah, just in time for when I think me and you brought him in.
0: <laughs> exactly yeah the king of trolls it's definitely trolls. you know I think um Pierre-Emerick
2: Aubameyang is a troll as well because we've just brought him into our team and he blanked for the first week obviously this week last season I picked him consistently when he wasn't scoring he ended up joint top scorer in the league and didn't score a single goal for me despite the fact that I had him in my team for more than half of the season so I think, I think he's a key troll as well
0: he's maybe a very personal troll to you we all have our personal trolls as well as you know fpl Y trolls he hasn't yet made it into the wider community as a troll but who knows if he keeps this up he he may well do that you think this um, is like
2: training for him he's practicing on me so that when he can when he makes the big time he's ready
0: yeah practice makes <laughs> perfect um my my fpl moment of the week was um was at the captaincy in our you know our little kind of rivalry between all the podcasters i think pretty much everyone apart from me went for de bruyne captain I went for Sterling captain, and at the end of the game, it looked like it hadn't made much difference. I think Sterling was on eleven, De Bruyne was on something like eight or nine, um, but it was just the deliciousness of of his goal being taken away from him. Uh, yeah, just a lovely kind of post game little glow. It's a, it's not a big difference if it's if you're just going against one person, but when you're going against four other people. It's a nice kind of swing to have. So, yeah, that was my, my nasty FPL moment of the week, my
2: competitive so streak I, coming out. Even more than that is that we're in the game. I don't know whether you guys watched that game, but in the game, they actually allowed the goal on the basis that it didn't touch David Silver because if it had touched him, that would have made Raheem Sterling offside when he sort of limboed around the ball and put the goalkeeper off and the goal would have been disallowed if in the moment the referee had decided that silver did touch it. But because he didn't, it was allowed. And then it still got taken away from De Bruyne, which is insane.
0: <laughs> it's so brutal, isn't it? They're basically admitting that it shouldn't have been a goal after the game. Or that David Silva didn't touch it, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, if you were with me on the Sterling captaincy this week, uh, congratulations. We got away with one, I think, massively there. Um Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to look at the upcoming fixtures for game week 11. Half-time in La Bombonera Stadium, and England trail Mexico by two goals to nil. Have you heard what the clown is shouting? Bastards are... Bastards are... Bastards are... They shouldn't
3: be shouting at me! It should be shouting at you! And do you know why? Because it's... In half-time! And we're... 2-0 down to the... Mexicans! What's wrong with you? Get it your... Fingers out! Where's your bottle gun? I can't pay attention without talking to you! If you don't want to wear the shirt of off, there's thousands of kids out there who die and put that shit shirt on!
0: back on the field! Show what you can do! Or off home on a plane! You got that? England lose 4-0. Okay, we're back, and it's Bournemouth versus Man United uh, for Andy. Andy, you said you had a bit of hope when you were looking at Man United this game week. What do you think about next game week?
2: Yeah, really interesting one this, because I think uh, after a really positive result this week, we have a like that you can get freak positive results, but if you get two in a row, that's when you sort of feel like you've turned a corner. So, um, and especially with a sort of generally positive run of fix just coming up now, Man U kind of really need that. So I think this is going to be a very instructive game to see whether it's time to start piling in on um, Man U assets that have previously been ignored. So I'm thinking especially Dan James and Anthony Martial, um, or whether it's uh, actually just a freak result and continue to avoid. Um, I have... Gone big, and I've already made my transfer for next week. I put in Martial because I think everyone will be doing that, and um, I'm hoping to gain some some value by doing by making a transfer early. Um, so those are the two players that I would be looking out for. I think, although Rashford is obviously one of the main goal scorers for United, he's a forward, and the others are midfielders, and so your returns aren't as good, and he's more expensive. So on Man U side, I think uh, those are your two players. Um, on the Bournemouth side, it's really interesting because they're obviously a good side and a man u team whose uh sort of resurgence is not hasn't yet happened they could sort of kill it dead right now by by uh, by winning this game i think so they'll be obviously motivated i think by the chance to um continue man united's drought um and also by the fact that they kind of need a result so at home i think it's going to be a very very, very they stand a chance of winning it's a very very even game. Um, I'd be looking out for Callum Wilson to break his three-game drought. I'd be looking out for um, Ryan Fraser's not having a great season this year, and he seems to be sort of eclipsed by Harry Wilson as the midfielder to have for Bournemouth. So if I'm going to pick a, if you're going to pick a midfielder from Bournemouth side, I think he's the one. Um, neither team, I don't think, are likely to keep a clean sheet in this game. So it's one for the attackers rather than the defenders.
0: It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because Bournemouth aren't known for their clean sheets, but they've picked up two clean sheets in the last two games, which is quite unusual for them. But then on top of that, they've also not scored in those last two games. So it's very unlike Bournemouth. They're coming in in a very unpredictable way, more than kind of ever before, I'd say, with Bournemouth. So, but you're predicting goals for Man United and goals for Bournemouth. So you're kind of going against their their form.
2: I think if you look at the teams Bournemouth have faced in the last two games, that tells you more about those nil-nils than Bournemouth themselves. They've played against teams who are really looking to stop the rot and have um, kind of their their main thing has been we're going to try not to concede today. Man you won't play like that, which will open the game up a lot more. Um, and I think you'll see. Yeah, I, I think you'll see both teams score. Um, I've been uh, sort of joking on the uh, on the WhatsApp thing before the game that maybe teams are going to be ushering Man U players into the penalty area and then fouling them so that we miss the penalty. You might see a penalty in this game uh, because Man U had a lot of those and missed a lot of them this week, uh, this year rather. Um, anyway, I, I, I believe it will be uh, goals on both sides. Um, if Man U really have turned it around, then it could be a sort of a 3-1 score, that kind of thing. Um, could be a 2-1 for Bournemouth, but I, think, I don't think either team is defensively sound enough to um, not concede in the kind of game that I think this will be.
0: OK. And one last thing. Last season, you went early and you picked this guy out before anyone else was talking about it. Maybe too early. Diego Rico, he's now 4.2 million, which is dirt cheap. He's on quite a few set pieces for Bournemouth. And he's also picking up bonus recently as well. So do you think he's a, just a good enabler or do you think he's worth playing in a few fixtures? Well, thank you for
2: remembering that, Duncan. I was about a year too early with him, wasn't I? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, the reason I picked him last year was because he takes corners and he was really, really cheap. Um, and he, he sort of played a couple of fixtures in a row and then lost his place. Right now, um, Charlie Daniels being injured means that he's not really under threat. His his place in the team isn't really under threat. Adam Smith seems to have not. um, That's what happened last season, that uh, Adam Smith started playing at left back, which was kind of an odd decision um, and threw me off. But anyway, um, Rico, I think, is worth playing in some fixtures. But this one, I don't think Bournemouth are going to keep a clean sheet. And so he's not one. He doesn't sort of stand out as somebody to play um but if you look at what's uh, what's coming up for them i'm just going to bring up their fixtures now um they've got newcastle away and wolves at home coming up next i would i would advocate playing rico in those two games cuz newcastle don't score a lot of goals and wolves don't seem to do very well on the road against the not the best teams in the league so um i'd i'd advocate playing rico in those two games they've just some tough fixtures coming up they've got man u next then they've got tottenham in game week 14 um Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal all coming up bit within the next ten games. So um I think he's one of those he's an enabler when when, he, when they're playing against one of those top sides and he's somebody that you can put in um as a as an actual starter for the games when they're playing weaker opposition.
0: Yeah, okay. Not that not one for this week but maybe later on down the line. Fair enough. Um next up it's Arsenal versus Wolves and this is one for me. I've just finished watching the recording on Sunday night. Just finished watching the Arsenal-Crystal Palace game, um, which was not too much of a pleasure, it has to be said. I mean, I just—I turned on just after Arsenal had scored their second goal. I missed the first 10 minutes. So I got to watch our lead be slowly <laughs> taken away from us. And then in the kind of dying minutes, having a goal completely taken away by VR, overturned for... for for what I could see is just a general kind of goal mouth scramble and they've kind of narrowed in and done replays and found a foul somewhere in there. So that was pretty, pretty depressing viewing. Next up, it's Wolves for Arsenal, another home fixture. And although Annie was saying Wolves don't tend to do that well on the road against the smaller teams, um, against the bigger teams, they do all right. They did a pretty damn well last season against the bigger teams and they've just done really well against Man City at the Etihad. So, they beat Arsenal um, last season as well. They kind of had a bit of a hudo over them. So I would expect this to be a really tough game for Arsenal. Um, and I think if you brought in Abamyang recently for his good fixtures, you're probably really annoyed that he's, as Andy's saying, starting to kind of troll you a little bit. I think there are other options out there. And I think Wolves would be a tough game, followed by Leicester away, which is another tough game for Arsenal. Another bit of a a team with a hoodoo over them, especially kind of Jamie Vardy. So I think there's two tough fixtures for Arsenal, Aubameyang being the standout pick for them at the moment. If you can make it through those two games, then you've got Southampton at home, Norwich away and Brighton at home. So it's just whether you think it's worth waiting that time uh, or whether there's better options for two games. Maybe you can bring him back in again after those two games if he shows some form. Uh, apart from that, Arsenal are starting to rotate in the fullbacks. Um, so Klaassenach is not really much of an option anymore. Tierney came in for his, uh, his first Premier League game and um, got subbed, probably because he's come back from a big injury. Um, but I expect him to be a bit more of a first teamer. Chambers, um, probably going to be going soon. Bellerin on the bench. Um Yeah, so Arsenal's defence, if you're crazy enough to go there, is probably not very safe in the fullback positions. Apart from that, Lacazette came in. I didn't think he looked particularly up to speed. He lost the ball and got fouled quite a lot. Um, So, yeah, he's not really an option, especially at his price where he's competing with Vardy. Vardy, I think at at the moment, is the man to go for in that price bracket for sure. Uh, Apart from that, Wolves, a lot of talk about Jimenez uh, going into... um, you know, Callum Wilson's blanks and Pookie being off form completely. A lot of people talking about Jimenez is a bit of a uh, an outsider pick uh, based on their fixtures and, and the form he's had recently. I don't think Arsenal away is a bad fixture for him, followed by Aston Villa. So if if you brought him in, I would stick with him for the moment because I think Wolves will play quite well against, against Arsenal. I think counter-attack... Uh, will suit them. Their counter-attacking style against Arsenal at home is kind of perfectly set up for them. So yeah, I'd hold on to them. Um, apart from that, annoying to see Woolley Bolly not playing. I know a lot of people are thinking he was a bit of an option for their clean sheets and defensive solidity, but it seems even, even he isn't safe um, to get minutes every week. So yeah, um, if you can be brave, hold on to a bang-yang. If not, maybe take him out for the next two fixtures, I would say. You guys can jump in, or we can move on to Aston Villa-Liverpool with Ben.
1: So Villa-Liverpool, I think I think Villa are a good side, but I think you saw this week, I, and we predicted this last week, unlikely to do anything against the big boys. So lost 3-0 to City. And I think this may be a similar game where I would expect Liverpool to win. The only things are watching that game look like Salah had to go off um, before... Uh, full-time I think he may have hurt his ankle where he had like a lingering ankle injury so would monitor that and also Liverpool have I think they play Arsenal actually in the League Cup midweek so it may be interesting to see what kind of team they put out for that game Um, but everyone kind of knows I think the usual suspects on on the Liverpool team I watched that game today and I I have Trent Alexander-Arnold and he honestly (laughs) <laughs> he could have had so many assists. He was crossing the ball constantly. So I still f- feel good keep, uh, sticking with him and probably Robertson too, even though they aren't really picking up any clean sheets. I think this would be a good shout for a clean sheet. Um, Villa, I think we've talked a lot about uh, Grealish, McGinn as, as they're good players, um, but I don't think they'll get much out of this game. I, I think Liverpool may win 2 or 3 nil.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... I don't know about 2-3-0. Liverpool seem to be picking up um, the, you know, conceding the odd goal here or there. So maybe, maybe Villa at home, you know, they have posed a bit of an attacking threat. They can pick up a goal, but yeah, I, I think your prediction is pretty pretty much spot on for a Liverpool win. Um, it's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? So, should we crack on with Brighton-Norwich for Andy?
2: Yeah, another one of these uh, avian dervies, with exciting wing play. Um, but Getting beyond all that. Um, (laughs) uh, So these are two interesting sides. Um, Brighton, I think, are a lot better than... Actually, both sides are a lot better than anybody expected them to be this year. Um, But Norwich have kind of hit a bit of a rough patch at the moment, and so I expect Brighton winning this game as a result. Um, I think there's a couple of players on Brighton's team that I'm quite interested in. The first one is... I think a lot of people are interested in, uh, in Connolly. Um, who has sort of come from nowhere at 4.6 million to be a regular starter. Um, he, I think, I'm not necessarily convinced that this is going to be like a new superstar for the season. Um, and this is kind of the last game for him where, where really they've got a, a winnable fixture. They've got, after Norwich, they've got um, Man United, Leicester, Liverpool, Arsenal, so a really tough run of fixtures coming off the back of Norwich. Um, but he's a really interesting one. And I think if you, if we see him... Start the next five games. That could be a sign that he sort of made his way into the first team permanently. Um, and then for the next fixed set of fixtures, they've got Wolves, Palace, Sheffield United, um, Tottenham. But then Bournemouth, like they've got a they've got a much nicer run of fixtures. If you look from game week seventeen through to twenty nine, really, it's just Tottenham and Chelsea that are sort of uh, that are red fixtures. So I think he's he's definitely one that I'm looking out for to see whether he plays or not. Another one that's sort of run under the radar is uh Neil mope, who seems to be even when connolly 's playing on the pitch and running very hard um, but what 's interesting about him is if you look at his uh, his history through the um through the game weeks he sort of he doesn 't score when when he does score he tends tend to score a six an eight a seven, and a nine and at his price point, it seems like it's quite predictable when he 's going to be doing well because he tend, it seems to be against the the bottom teams. So, when you see um yeah like I said, mope against a, a team that's threatened with relegation like Norwich, could be a week for him. Um, so those are my two Brighton players that I'm interested in. On the Norwich side, I think um, Pookie's really fallen from grace, um, and I think what you mentioned earlier, he's out of form now, so he's what he's a get rid in my book, somebody that you don't want right now. Um, he may come back later in the season, but he doesn't look on great form right now. A lot of people have transferred in Todd Cantwell. I think that may have been a bit premature. Doesn't seem to have done a lot since the uh, the sort of the, the run of games that made everyone transfer him in. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really see much of interest in uh, in Norwich's team, but two players from Brighton.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's a funny one, Mope, isn't he? Because there was a lot of talk about him. I say a lot of talk. There was a bit of talk in the FPL community on Twitter going into this game week. So Andy from Let's Talk FPL and from the Scout cast brought in Mope as one of his strikers. And I think Neil Murray, who's quite big on FPL Twitter, was also championing Mope and brought him into his team. But it seems strange doing that. I know he's he's a good price point and he's it's clear he's on penalties after this game week. But like you say with the fixtures you know with those those really nasty fixtures from game week 12 uh I, it's it's a weird one but i guess six million he could sit on your bench couldn't he he could
2: um the, the question i guess is you've also got Connolly in the same team on the same price on the same uh with the same fixtures obviously in the same position but a lot cheaper so i guess that's the uh, the argument against mope, but if you don't if you're not sure connelly's going to play or you think he's not going to play then uh then mope makes more sense and for, although He's got nasty fixtures approaching. He has had a a nice run running up to now. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're planning to get rid of him next week.
0: Yeah, maybe it's just for those couple of fixtures and it's working out for them. Um, Next up, it's a pretty easy one for me. It's Man City versus a team who had just beaten 9-0 at home. Um, So, if there's (laughs) there's a worse scenario for Southampton right now, I don't know what it is. Um, Yeah, this... I. I expect a bloodbath Um, and that's quite easy to say, but more specifically, I think, I think Neil from fancy football scout uh, was tweeting after the, uh, or maybe even during the Leicester game saying that, you know, this is something that uh, he was very um, self-deprecating. I like Neil a lot. He was saying, you know, I've said a lot of things this season. Isn't it annoying when people just pick out one thing they've said and said, you know, look, this came true. But one of the stats he picked out on, um, on an article for Fantasy football scout was that Southampton can see a huge amount of chances, uh, a league record high from their right-hand side. Um, so he was predicting players like uh, Giles Barnes and Chilwell to do well against Southampton. Um, so based on that logic, I think we've got an absolute open goal for Raheem Sterling as a captaincy this, uh, this game week, because He's up against that weak Southampton right flank. He's in absolutely, you know, brilliant form. He's back on form again. And also he's being helped out massively, I think, by Mendy consistently. Mendy is being pushed really far wide because Pep is obsessed with having people really close, kind of, you know, grass and uh, chalk in their boots from the touchline. Mendy can play that role so Sterling can come inside and, and get those goals. Um, whereas before Mendy was in the team, um, Sterling was being pushed out quite far wide and that was coinciding with his bad run of form and, and a couple of blanks. So I think Mendy's an interesting pick. He's very low owned at the moment um, and he has been very attacking the past. But Sterling for a captaincy, I think he's he's a shoe in this week. Um, that's pretty much it because there's no one on Southampton I'm really asked to talk about.
1: I think the one thing I would add is um, Southampton have one game before to kind of get their spirits up, and it's uh, against Man City away <laughs> the <league> Cup, <laughs> so they could get battered twice. Yeah, that'll be
2: like, Do you not think this is a prime like example of a game where will just not play like with Bernardo Silva and Riyad Mahrez on the wings and just like flummox everybody by playing a reserve team against Southampton, and like goals will come from I don't know. Phil Foden and Ilkay Gundogan like, and Gabriel Jesus. Like, it seems like that kind of game to me where he just annoys all of the fantasy Premier League
0: players. I think it's it's perfectly set up for us because we can see what happens in the League Cup in the week, see who he plays and based on that kind of have an educated guess. But I think with Sterling, quite often this season, if he's dropped, he doesn't come on the pitch. So if you captain him, he's not coming on for a one pointer, your vice captain comes in and you know, if that's de Bruyne, then you've got a good chance of one of them playing at least against the Southampton team. But I think we're yes, potentially in a normal week, but with the League Cup, um, we've got a little bit of insight this week, which is lucky. So I think my yeah.
2: shout is um on that point is I would do the one thing I wouldn't do is Captain Sterling and Vice De Bruyne, because if he does come out with a, a reserve team, you can end up with neither of them playing. Um, so I would say don't put both your captain and your vice into the City team just to protect yourself against Pep's random
0: whims I don't know, I think it's worth it for this Southampton team in Man City at home, I'm going to be doing it myself Um, so I disagree with you there, I think it's worth the risk Um, yeah, and I did it this week and it worked out as well, but who knows you're right, it is roulette, so we'll have to see, Um, Ben, what do you reckon to Sheffield United versus Burnley ooh, this is Dua (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be a a tight, low-scoring game. I'm actually hoping for a nil-nil since I have both Lundscheram and uh, Nick Pope. I think the only thing I noticed when Burnley played Chelsea was Chris Wood was injured, so Gary's favorite, so it will be interesting to see if he is back. And uh, when I actually was watching that game, your favorite, Duncan, Ashley Barnes, he was atrocious. He missed so many chances, actually had a couple of chances um and was just looked awful so yeah i'm just hoping this will be a boring nil nil
0: i definitely i'm feeling that this would be a nil nil and i think you've done it the right way having one from each side in defense or goalkeeper so you can balance because i'm i'm with you on this i see it as a nil nil or at least one clean sheet for one of the teams so yeah uh have have kind of a player in each team is a good way to go for it Um, And yeah, you're right about Ashley Barnes. When he's good, he is one of the best in the league. You know, he gets all the shots and all the stats. When he's bad, he's really bad. Um, Yeah, so staying away from the Burnley attack myself at the moment. Andy, what do you reckon to West Ham, Newcastle?
2: I fancy Newcastle in this game. I think it's prime West Ham losing territory to be at home to Newcastle. Um, I think that they've really have had the wind taken out of their sails in the last few weeks Newcastle conversely although the results haven't been great they they, obviously beat Man U everyone beats Man U um, but they uh, they lost one nil to Chelsea drew one on with Wolves those aren't bad results like Chelsea have been putting loads of goals past people recently and to only concede one to them is actually quite a good sign I think for a a team in Newcastle's level it's a good sign that they only conceded one Um, Wolves are a good side um and to draw one all but them isn't a bad result at all. Uh I think we could see a one-nil win for Newcastle here. I think definitely they'll be uh a, like their defence is strong enough to keep a clean sheet. So I'm not sort of obviously it might not happen, but I think it's a decent shout. Um and I definitely would not be rushing to put West Ham players in for this for this fixture. So I can see like a, a one nil through either Joe Linton or um maybe scoring from a corner like 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 just like LaSalle scored this week um there's a chance that Fabian Cher might be back so if you really want to transfer Newcastle players in don't think you do um my real my real point of this is uh, is watch out for what happens in the game because uh i think if they do play really well in this game they've got a lot of very kind fixtures coming up so um if they if they do really well it could be a time to look at um enablers from Newcastle's defence
0: yeah interesting i mean that is out there potential uh, for bringing in newcastle players and interesting to see that you're thinking that they're not going to whether well, away to west ham i don't know if i totally agree i think it's interesting that you've picked out that they're not conceding very much recently you know since that leicester mauling they've kind of tightened up quite a bit but i i don't know i think west ham at home they've got quite a lot of attacking threat and You know, Yarmolenko picking up another assist this week, still looks threatening. I think the one thing for me is is Haller is not doing the business up front for West Ham. So that's kind of blunting them a little bit, isn't it? Same for Felipe Anderson, to be fair. So you might have something there. Who knows?
2: Um, Yeah, and Lanzini has traditionally been, when he's played, he's been very exciting for them. He hasn't really been playing the minutes. So you don't know whether he's like either off form or slightly injured or whatever it is is really the only one from their, uh, from their attack that's doing the business at the moment. So I think uh, Newcastle have it in them to blunt him.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Low scoring at least for for West Ham. Um, next up, it's Watford versus Chelsea. Uh, this is one for me. So Watford have definitely tightened up in, since the the 8-0 mauling. Um, Flores has got them drilled. You know, he's known for his defensive approach and... He's picked up a nil-nil against Bournemouth, which, despite Bournemouth not really being on top form at the moment, is not bad. Um, 1-1 against Spurs, so again, keeping keeping the score down. Um, And a nil-nil against Sheffield United. So, three clean sheets in... uh, Two clean sheets in three games is pretty good. um, And only one goal conceded. So, he's definitely done what he was brought in to do. Um, And Chelsea may find it a tough nut to crack, but I think... We've had a pretty good example of Chelsea going away to a team who are defensively really solid in them playing Burnley this week, and they went and scored four goals. So I think Chelsea at the moment are a team in a lot of attacking form. Um, everyone now has Tamri Abraham. Everyone has then doubled up with um, Mount as well. And some people like you, Andy, have gone even further, and they've gone for um, Callum hudson odoi or Tomori. So uh, up on Chelsea I think they're worth it at the moment I think defensively this could be a really good fixture for them as well as attacking so yeah it's I think it's worth a a triple up um I think it's worth going that far annoying to see that um that Callum Hudson-Odoi didn't get the minutes this week um he didn't start the game and his replacement uh came in and scored a hat-trick so that definitely puts his place under a bit of threat um for the people who went on him uh, a bit early after his good run of form, and I, I know we tipped him as well, so we are partially partially to blame for that. But he's worth keeping in your team, I think. But I expect Gudisic to be starting ahead of him at the moment, and Gudisic is is a player to keep an eye on if he keeps getting um, keeps getting starts. You know, hat trick, and he's looked bright in the games he has played. He he picked up he's picked up three assists as well as that hat trick, um, and that's let's have a look. He's he's played for seven games and he's got uh, yeah he's got six returns in those seven games attacking returns so when he gets the time he gets the returns um so there are so many options uh, to get into that chelsea team at the moment um alonso i just want to shout him out because i brought him in this week and he was my gut punt came in with a very lucky clean sheet because he was subbed off before they conceded two and i don't think that's because he was subbed off because as we know he's not defensively the soundest but he was on for for bonus before he came off, he was quite high up in the bonus. So, um, fingers crossed for him in this fixture and for Tamori as well, getting a clean sheet. Watford, I think avoid, 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 um, looking like they have no threat up front whatsoever. And, um, yeah, who wants to bring in Craig Cathcart for, for Chelsea or any other fixture? So, yeah, stick with Chelsea and keep an eye on Pulisic. Um, question, I would well, say. One
2: question you, uh, for you about Chelsea, Dunk is, um, the other wing with Willian there, um, do you think either option A, Willian is the one who's like reliably going to play and therefore maybe a, a decent pick? Or do you think maybe because of Pulisic's form, it might be Willian's place that's a threat with by Hudson-Odoi?
0: I think that Hudson-Odoi and Pulisic are competing for that left flank. Um, and Lampard has said in quotes recently about Willian, he said um, on one of his performances, you know, he's proved why he's one of one of our, or he might even said he's proved why he's our best player at the moment recently. Um, you know, and the returns fancy wise prove that, you know, uh, goal assist, goal and assist against Burnley, um, in the last four games. So I don't think he's, he's planning on dropping at the moment and fitness wise, he's a very fit boy. So, um, yeah, I I think Wilson, uh, Williams place is pretty secure myself. I think, um, and I think he's competing with Pedro who doesn't seem to be getting a look in at the moment. So yeah, that's, that's my concern with uh, Callum Hudson and but we'll have to see, we'll see how it develops because I know Callum Hudson and can play on the right. So potentially William could get rotated or dropped. Um, it is a bit of a risk at the moment. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be picking William myself because he, I think he's not changed as a, a player in fantasy since he pretty much joined the premier league. He's, He's been 7 million for so long and has just about, um, yeah, proved a 7 million player with patches of form. But he's, he's not an option I'm interested in myself. Um, what do you reckon, Ben, to Crystal Palace versus Leicester?
1: So I think this will be a harder game for Leicester. Palace, a uh, very good result against Arsenal coming back from two down to, to draw that game. Uh, obviously, Leicester have um, so many options, and an amazing win against uh, Southampton. I think there are there are a lot of options, and I think a, a good case for tripling up on Leicester players, given that they have a really, I think, another good run of seven more games, where their their hardest game is Arsenal, which you know may not actually be that hard. So, all the usual suspects: Jamie Vardy, Madison Barnes. Uh, all the defenders uh Chilwell, Soyuncu, Pereira, Telemans. So a lot of options I think for Leicester. And I think uh I think probably most uh, veteran players will be trying to maybe double or triple up for this this good run. Uh I know I'm definitely trying to find a way to do it. Um but Palace are a tough team at, at home. Um so maybe maybe I think a, a lot tighter than the Sheffield uh the Southampton game the the only palace watch i was on is um, kelly who is bench fodder for most people i think is now now replaced by tompkins he was on the bench for for their their game against um, their last game against arsenal so um, i'm not too interested in palace attacking assets although iu has amazingly managed to score a couple of goals recently but yeah i think this will be a tough game for Leicester and will be interesting to see if they can pull this one out
0: Yeah, I think you've you've picked it out there. You've basically listed the entire <laughs> Leicester team at the start there saying so many good options, but you're right. It's basically, it's a case of fitting the Leicester option that fits into your team, isn't it? Because like you say, it's a race to triple up on Leicester at the moment. You know, whether you go Giles Barnes for a cheap one or you go for Pereira for expensive for the black, it could be anyone, couldn't it? Because any of, any of them are going to score points at the moment. Just one player you didn't mention is, of course, Johnny Evans and I would say stay away from him, but apart from that, yeah. Uh, stay away boots.
1: from Ndidi, too. He, he only got three points in the 9-0 win. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <I'll
0: have> to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Stay away from two too. Um, okay, next up, it's Everton versus Tottenham, and that's the last game. And it's yeah, for Andy. so um, this game, actually, before I go into this, something I noticed today,
2: did anyone even notice there's a weird, like, hut on Everton's badge? I just got really obsessed with that earlier, and I found out what it is. It's Prince Rupert's Tower, which was next door to the, uh, the famous toffee shop owned by Murley Bushel, which is why they're called the Toffees. So that's a little piece of uh, information that I Googled because I was bored. Um, into the actual game, I think Everton have been a really interesting side because they have been atrocious defensively, um, really, ever since Silver took over, over their management. And um, this season, the goals seem to have dried up too, mostly. Um, but they locked, they scored two this week, even though they conceded three um and Calvert Lewin scored as well I, it's it's quite an interesting situation they're in. It might be that they're like poised to take off right now, or it might be that they're poised to fire silver and start a new, a new uh, a new trend so we 'll see how this game goes against Spurs. But I think the most interesting thing in this game for me at least is Hyung Min son um He has despite Tottenham not looking good recently looked exactly the same as he always does. Really, really industrious, shooting a lot. And uh, he even got an assist this week. Um, and this, in the last sort of, in the game, in in midweek in Europe, and again against Liverpool, they, although Liverpool beat them, they looked good in both of those games. So it might be that Hyung min Son is about to come into fashion again. Um so for both sides, this is a really interesting game and really the, the point of me watching this one is going to be to decide what to do with both of their assets next rather than to try and transfer players from either team in right now. Um, but yeah, the, the players I'm sort of looking out for in, in both of these teams are are attacking. So heung Son and um, potentially the likes of uh, the sort of traditional high scorers like uh, Sigurdsson and Um I think. If this sort of turns out to be a, either a goal fest or where one team really shines, it could be a, something that's interesting for the following weeks.
0: One player from Everton I want to ask you about, who's actually their top scorer by some distance, is Richarlison, who seems to be playing up front again. And He's got two returns, two assists, two playing up front. Do you think he's, I know we talked about him before, do you think he's an adoption at all now he's playing don't up front? I think
2: he, you get the best out of him playing him up front. And although you're right, he has had some returns recently. I think that when he's been at his best, he's been a left winger playing behind a striker, arriving late in the box and scoring goals. Um, he scores a lot of like, um, it's weird actually, but it be like Paul Scholes used to arrive late in the box and score headers. I feel like that's Richarlison's main like point-getting attribute. So you play him centre forward and you lose that and he sort of is fighting for scraps rather than doing his main thing. So um, if they manage to sort of, settle on one of either Moisey Keane or Calvert-Lewin playing centre-forward, you might get better results out of Richarlison.
0: Yeah, fair enough. It definitely happened last season. He didn't get the returns up front. So, yeah, I can can understand that. Okay, should we we have a look at our whipping boys for this week? I have a pretty good (laughs) idea who mine are. Uh, Ben, Ben, who are your whipping boys? I will
2: go
1: Southampton.
2: I would agree I with you. That, I can agree with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, good. Are you worried <laughs> Wait for a second there? <laughs> okay, what about clean sheets? Ben, can you see some clean sheets?
1: I will go Sheffield United.
0: Yep, we talked about it before. That's definitely true. I mean, brandy we'll
2: Keep a clean sheet against Norwich.
0: Ah, oh, yes, you've left me. Burnley, so I'm going to go for Burnley away to Sheffield United. I'm hoping for a nil-nil in that fixture. Back to you, Ben.
1: Uh, Man City.
0: Yep, another Mind very boring. obvious one. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Getting Bendy now, Andy. Well, I mean, I what about I mean, you? What
2: Newcastle keep clean sheet against West Ham.
0: Backing yourself, that's good. I am going to go with Chelsea away to Watford. Watford. Blanking recently and more defensively focused. Okay, back to you, Ben.
1: I still think Liverpool can keep a clean sheet, but yeah, maybe maybe I'm less certain about
0: that one. Okay. Getting down to the dregs, Andy. Yeah, we are. Um maybe Leicester against Palace.
2: Not really convinced by that though.
0: I think I'm gonna I'm gonna back you up with that because after watching the 9-nil, I thought that Leicester wasn't that they looked defensively sound because they weren't really tested at all, but they just looked so in control of the ball, so in, tro- in control of the game. And I think Palace, I think, will probably concede them that control in this game. I, I think Leicester will approach it as if they are a big team and they will try and control the ball. So I, I kind of back you up on that one, Leicester getting a clean sheet. I think it's worth playing so you, if you have them in your team. Um, Okay, that's our clean sheets. Let's take a break, and and when we come back, we'll have a look at the the podcast league. Uh, As
2: flies
0: to to wanton Wanton boys, boys. boys,
2: boys, boys. we are are for the gods. gods. They kill us for the the sport.
0: I love love. them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're back, and let's have a look at the FPL fan fantasy football fanatics podcast league see how you guys are getting on um first of all in first place i'm looking at the the live league on sunday night on LiveFPL.net, um and he's the man kevin miles is still number one in the world he's still top he's clinging on by his fingernails now with 43 points this game week um and captaining aguero but he's he's still got a healthy league of, of 20 or so points. Um, I very much feel like his team is, is the old template clinging on. You know, Aguero, Pukki, Salah, De Bruyne, Lundström, uh, Mountain and Robertson. But he, he's got a pretty big lead to lose, so it's, it's in his hands at the moment. Um, so the player that I wanted to shout out this week, uh, the one with the biggest score in the top half of the league, was um, Afalabi Solomon's team with King Incapable. Uh, with 78 points. So have a look at his team, guys. He's he's obviously got Vardy, as you'd have to have for that kind of points haul this week. Sterling, captaincy. He's big up front with Abraham and Aubameyang joining Vardy. Um, Mount, David Silva, who I think is massively being overlooked as uh, one of the top-scoring um, FPL midfielders and really low-priced as well this season with nine-pointer Uh, Mane getting an assist Rico who's who's doing doing the business at the moment and then a weird one he's got Chambers in there for his little run in the Arsenal team which hasn't hasn't worked out but actually I think this might be a stats pick um, because Chambers is recently had some of the highest numbers for attempts in the box um, from you know pre-kicks and corners and stuff like that um, to add to that, he's got Ryan and Tomori and they've come in with a score of seventy-eight points this week, which is pretty huge. Um, what do you reckon to his? I team think
2: uh, he's got a really good team looking forward. Um, I mean, for someone to get seventy-eight points with their eleven million striker blanking is pretty impressive. Um, he's got he's got absolute duff on the bench, hasn't he? He's got his entire bench combined got one point this week, so uh, he, that's obviously where he saved his money. And to to have a like every single player on his team with the possible exception of Chambers looks like they can get points on any given week like there's no there's no um no junk in there at all as they're in the first team um they've got uh, the, I think you're right That David Silver is a really interesting differential um so yeah I, I really like his team uh, and I I'm mildly jealous
0: he's uh he's kind of way ahead of where people started the season with the uh, heavy at the back and then slowly have been moving funds out of defence up front. He's just gone so light at the back. It's unbelievable. You know, Rico, Chambers, Tomori, Kelly, um, just dirt uh, cheap. But I, I looked at his strike force, Vardy, Abraham and Aubameyang. Very expensive. And I assumed his midfield would be cheap as chips, but it's not. It's not at all, really. Sterling and Mane, Silver and Mount. Um, but, yeah, just so light in defence and, like you say, nothing on the bench. So The an, one thing he's missing exactly. as
2: a result of that, who I think is um, really an essential, is Alexander-Arnold. Um, like the, the amount of like time he spends way forward putting crosses in. like uh, I think he's going to be one of the biggest scorers this season. So every week he's going to miss the Alexander-Arnold points and have to make those up elsewhere. But he's pretty well set up to do that. So we'll see.
0: I was thinking about this this week. If you if you look at the points, kind of the top point scorers in the different brackets, um, yeah, defenders are some way short at the moment. You know, people were talking about Bigger at the back at the start of the season. I mentioned that before, but I don't, I think it really has not come to pass. I don't think the defenders have, have delivered at all. Lundström is one of the top defenders, a 4.0 starting midfielder. Um, and they're quite a serious way off at the moment. So I think, to be fair, and you know, even though Trent is doing well, he's still not the top-scoring defender, um he's still kind of fourth in the list, um, or joint third at least. So he's even not fulfilling his price tag potentially at seven point two. So I don't know if I fully agree. I think Superlight maybe oh, is I'm, the I'm way to give go. Give me an
2: explanation for that. Which is that they've it. already played Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, Man United, and Tottenham as four of the first ten games. And if you look at their, their upcoming fixtures, I think yeah. you're going to see a lot more clean sheets from Liverpool. So I think Alexander-Arnold will catch up over yeah, the, so. the next, uh, like,
0: eight ten weeks. So maybe saving some back to double up on Robertson and, and Trent for that nice run after the Man City game. Yeah, fair enough. Um, if you want to compete with us, if you want to compete with the other listeners, and maybe not Kevin Miles off top spot, um, then you can find the the league code on our Twitter. We're at FPL Fanatics on Twitter. Um, so yeah, find the league code there, right, guys? We need to talk about the slight disaster <laughs> that is our Hive Mind joint podcast team. Uh, ben, how did we get on this week?
1: So, I th- we made a little bit of an error where <laughs> we talked through our transfers last week, but we classically forgot to do them. I don't know who's to blame, but uh, let's just call it bad management. Uh, not
0: Let's <laughs> just call it Gary. Let's call it Gary because he's not here. Uh,
1: we, we got a mighty 39 points. Uh, that will turn to, I think... 41 with our subs. Um and yeah, not too much to to be happy about. Um we got a Soyonshu clean sheet. Uh we got a Mane assist, we got a Son assist, a Tammy abram assist and uh we captain De Bruyne. The transfers we were going to make were Son to Martial, which I think would have netted out. Uh, Martial scored, but he also missed the penalty. The one we kind of missed out on was Cantwell to Madison. Uh, Madison got eight points in that win, so we, we definitely lost some points there. So uh, we now have we have double banked our transfers, so we have two transfers to make, and you know hopefully we can make them this this week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, the shame of losing one of your free transfers, because we were on two last week. We're still on two. We've lost one. That is gutting, really gutting. I think there's one big, big miss in our team at the moment. And I think that's Raheem Sterling. Um, and I think this might be a week to to bring him in. I think we've got Son there who's picking up assists, but um, isn't doing the same as, as he's been doing in in Europe uh, with his two goals recently, and he's not getting the minutes as well. So I think he, he could change into Sterling, potentially, and then we'd have to save uh, a million elsewhere. I should just say before we, before we go into transfers that our team at the moment is Pope in goal, that nice fixture away to Sheffield United, Trent, um, Otamendi, Soyuncu, Diop in defence, Cantwell, Son, Mane, De Bruyne, Abraham, and Abameyang up front. Um, so that's our starting team at the moment. Uh, yeah. What do you guys I, you reckon uh, to Sterling? I don't think we can
2: have the luxury of doing that. It's my, uh, my verdict. I, uh, I think we have too many duds in our team right now. And our, uh, our priority has to be to get rid of some of those. We've got um, Diop, Otamendi, and Cantwell, all of whom look like duds to me. We've got Greenwood, who's meant to be an enabler, but he's enabling us to have duds. And then we've got um, McGinn, who's been great, but is about to face a really tough run of fixtures. So I think we should be trying to remove enough of the duds that we actually get 11 potentially point scoring players in the team.
0: I don't know. I think I think you can worry too much about the third player on your bench. You know, when we're talking about Greenwood or Wickham in my personal team, you know, lots of players are well potentially as well as a fifth midfielder uh, for a lot of players. I think you can worry a bit too much about those teams when when you can make a bigger effect on your points hauls for those weeks. Um, you know, second sub, third sub, I'm not so concerned about. That. It's more about who's actually starting the game. And I think you're right. I think Cantwell is a problem. But I don't think Diop is a problem. He's at home to Newcastle. I'd say that's not bad for a clean sheet. We've got Otamendi who's not playing. Um, well, you say that. You say that, but Fernandinho got a red this week. So I think Otamendi and Stones will actually be starting because Rodri's injured. Um, Fernandinho is suspended so I think it will actually be two centre-backs weirdly <laughs> playing for, for Man City at home to Southampton which is we've called that as a clean sheet so I think we've got away with one you there you might be not.
2: right about that actually for this week um, he's certainly not somebody that we want in yeah. the team long term though is he because I think Hebb's uh, made it clear that he's no longer um, first choice He's a uh,
0: stay of execution Potentially. Probably, I, for I, sure. I, To
2: be clear as well, I'm not, I'm not talking about having a bench with points on. I'm talking about like who are our 10th and 11th players in the first team. We don't want, I, I think it's important to have, to look at your first team and see potential points everywhere. Um, and I think Humin Son isn't a problem. He looks like he's like playing well. If you look at, um, although you, this particular week, it obviously is a week that you want Sterling. If you look further ahead after this week, you've got Liverpool, Chelsea, then Newcastle, Burnley, and then Man United, Arsenal. So there's a really tough run of fixtures coming up for for City. I think if we sort of contort ourselves to get City players in right now, it might end up looking short-sighted in a few weeks' time.
0: I'm going to tantalise you with this. So if you give me (laughs) Sterling, (laughs) I will bring in. JB Vardy for Aubameyang. Ba- Aubameyang was saying his potential troll. He's trolling me <laughs> personally, Andy. We can bring in Jamie Vardy. We can bring in Jamie Vardy for him, a man on form with the fixtures. Sterling and Vardy outgo Aubameyang and Son. That's a pretty. That's pretty. I think, I think that's moving, an upgrade. So.
2: I agree that's an upgrade. Um, it does leave us with issues that, Like I, I still feel like we've um, we've got like uh, structural issues with the team that we haven't dealt with by doing that though. Um, we might want to do that next week instead. I don't know, yep. but um, I, I do feel like having like those four players, That's uh, plus Rico's an enabler as well, really, for, for most, of the, most of the next six weeks. I feel like we've got too many. We do need to, at some point, plan to get rid of probably two out of uh, McGinn, Cantwell, Otamendi, and Diop um, at some point in the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I think maybe this week we could leave McGinn in there I know it's a tough fixture against Liverpool, but they are conceding the odd goal and he is a big threat for Villa. And maybe he's our, our fourth midfielder that plays more than Cantwell. We'd just leave Cantwell on the bench to rot for a little bit. What do you reckon, Ben? You're very quiet. Uh, right? Yeah, I like it.
1: <clears throat> I, I just, that was a good point about Otamendi. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. But if, if we do this move, then we could do Otamendi to a lesser defender maybe next week. Um. But yeah, I, I do. Uh, I would like to get rid of McGinn or upgrade McGinn with this this money, but would probably have to be next week as well.
0: We could take a hit. We could play, you know, a mini wildcard and play three transfers. Yeah. Uh, well, should, we do, to, should we
1: do Barnes for
2: McGinn?
0: Oh, that's nice. Let,
2: let, can we, can, we, can yes. we do all
0: three? Can we afford that?
1: Well, yeah, we can. We'd just be taking uh, yeah.
2: a hit. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, we'd we'll just be taking a hit. I, I think it's sad to lose McGinn uh, because I don't think he deserves it. I mean, he's he's not done it, you know, in the last few games, but he's got some tough fixtures. And I think he's a value pick that has produced in the season so far. And they've got, you know, you know, if we could hang on to him, maybe we could make our third transfer mm. Campwell instead of McGinn. You know, if, if we got rid of Campwell, brought in the other two, We'd still have 5.4 to spend in midfield. Um So is there anyone that you'd be interested in at, at 5.4? The top scorers in that bracket are <laughs> McTominay. <laughs> uh, McTominay, Cantwell, Traore, Jorginho. Um, yeah, not... Uh, hey, there's always Noble, but yeah, there's not a lot to go with there. But if we're picking... Yeah, we are picking a starter, aren't we? Because we're saying leave McGinn on the bench. That's, that's tricky. Okay, that hasn't worked. Damn it.
1: I still think McGinn to Barnes may not be... Oh, you could, we could even go up to Tielemans, but it's unclear to me who's a better pick at that price. We could,
0: we could go for any of the Leicester attacking midfielders. So this is where we could steal a March. We could triple up on Leicester in this game week. Sterling, Vardy, and then any of Perez... Tielemans or Barnes? Basically, we get to pick between us now. I think Perez isn't, is
2: Pe- Perez not bad. Will, will miss fixtures. He's not like a proper first team the way the others... Is. I think actually maybe maybe Barnes and Perez are rotating. I'm not sure how that's working. Um, but I, I'm, I don't know. Although Perez... He, to me, he seems to be one of these players who randomly shows up like he did with a hat-trick and a 9-0. But he's not somebody who's a consistent scorer of points, I don't think. So I would say from that group. We're going to forward Tielemans, he's
0: the one. He's a pretty good fourth midfielder to start, isn't he, Tielemans? I, I, think I'm, I think I'm on board with that. His ownership, as a lot of the Leicester players, is still low. He's still a differential, 5.7 million. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think Barnes is out of the picture because he doesn't get the minutes um, and we're looking for someone seriously starting. Perez, there is a bit of concern over minutes, although he has just picked up a hat-trick. But, yeah, Tielemans, I like that. What do yeah, you
1: think, we do it now before we forget? I mean,
0: I've I, <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I
2: got it in front Wait. of me right now, that team. So that, just to just be clear what I've done, I've got Tielemans yeah. in for McGinn, Sterling in for Son, and Vardy in for Bamiang, And I'm looking at it right now. Should I press save?
0: Yeah. It's a bit of a risk with the League Cup, but I, I think do it because because those those values are going to change. You know, Vardy's going to change. Tielemans going to change sterling might even change so yeah i say go for it take Done. a risk
2: i just nice. confirmed it the <laughs> risk the risk has been taken um Boom. so then the team next week looks as follows um we've got pope in goal over or do, yeah Pope in goal uh defense of alexander arnold ottomendi c Chu, and diop midfield of tielemann sterling manet and de bruyne Oof. I like that a lot and then um vardy and abraham up front with a bench of cantwell rico greenwood and button
0: i like that that's a good team i think that's a really good team i look good looks great for clean sheets it's good for points in midfield and up front so the only question is captaincy i mean i've i've put my my money on sterling what do you think yeah i
1: agree um, my money's on sterling
2: assuming he doesn't play league cup yeah and we have I, I think, though, yeah. I, I still think it's important to um, not gamble too hard on Guardiola's roulette. So I would say Vardy is
0: vice. OK, fair enough. Sterling and, and Vardy vice. Nice. That is probably the most succinct team <laughs> team transfer section we've had so far. Hopefully it works out and we've actually made the transfers this time. So we've got a <laughs> chance. Um i will take a a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to have a a guest uh, doing the Gus buttons for it. I think Gary's going to join us, so we'll see you in a sec. Okay, we're back, and we've got a cameo appearance off the bench. and, you know, to waste some time at the end, it's Gary. Um, with the gut punts. How are we doing this week? Like? Hi
3: Duncan, how are you doing? Yeah, I, I, think, I think I got dropped this week um, after my, my prediction last week. I, I was listening back to my preview for um, Southampton versus Leicester, which started with my first words were, I think this looks like a tight, a close one. Uh, so, so I don't know. I, I, did, I, did, I did, you did, you did bring it on to Southampton towards the end and I did say don't, don't put any Southampton players in. Uh, which was sage advice, which I wish I'd followed in my own team. But instead, I I brought in Angus Gunn for Gazaniga, which ranks up there with another in a season of disasters, another another disaster, which has cost me eight points. But uh, but anyway, but
0: but for a player, but for a player who conceded nine goals, he didn't even get any minus points, did he? Yeah,
3: yeah, he 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 managed to uh, he managed to chalk up six saves, um, which uh, at least grabbed him a couple of points but yeah no there, there was a there was a moment in that game where madison scored and i was like hey that's five points and then i was like oh no it's only four points because he's knocked another one off the gun <laughs> I, I, I hate it when my my team play <laughs> against each other and knock points off each other it's uh, terrible
0: bittersweet anyway
3: so um yeah for the cameo I, I will say my my predictions in the actual fantasy game are going terribly this season um, but in terms of the gut punts league I'm still um, I'm still roaring away with it um, so Aaron Connolly for Brighton got two assists and nine points so I've extended my lead at the top of our league to, to 32 points now um, but it was quite a strong week because Ben picked out martial who eventually got six points after missing a penalty um, and then Duncan you went with Alonso, who's who's got in another clean sheet um Andy got um three points for Felipe Anderson and still in last place it's Matt bringing up the rear his pick of Lanzini uh managed to hold one point um so so Matt is keeping up his peerless record of of, of picking <laughs> players in, in teams that always win but do terribly
2: so,
3: uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah so um I thought I'd explain. So we're going to kind of change things a little bit around with the gut punts um, this year, this this week. Um, so you may remember at the start of the season, we, we've been doing a gut punt each week, and we picked what was like a season-long punt, where we have um, someone who was kind of people to stand by as like trusty players for the whole season. Um, but then I think we thought that it was a little bit monotonous going through the same players. Um, so we, we're kind of putting this in a box with um kind of the player manager those leeds united numbers on the socks and kind the of cheerleaders at football matches all those kind of ideas that, that seem like a good idea but we're gonna we're gonna pack it away at least for the moment um and what we're gonna bring in instead is like a monthly pick Hopefully this will be a bit more um, useful for the listeners. Um, So we'll we'll still do a weekly pick for a gut punt if you're looking for instant impact. But we're also, for each month now, for the rest of the season, we're going to pick a player that we're going to have play every game that season on our gut punt uh, table. Um, And that's going to be a chance. to. So so you're kind of looking at short-term, short-range, four or five games. Who are the players to have? Um, and we've got a few highlighted for for this for November so basically from game week 11 through to game week 40 and the rules are the same as they were before that we have um, less than 5% ownership and less than six million pounds so we're not going to go for any of the premium players for this it's going to be who are the who are the bargains that you can get in um, that no one else will have so yeah without any further ado um unless anyone has any further comments to add on that we'll, we'll go into the players that people have picked um for this week
0: can i just say gary there was there was the rule where they have to be under six million if they're a striker or a midfielder but for defenders it's under five million that's right yes
3: yeah because uh, i think defenders are generally a bit lower priced although for this first month i think everyone's gone for um either midfielders or attackers. Um, seems mainly midfielders we've gone for um yeah so um let's maybe we'll maybe we can start with andy because um i don't actually know who andy's gut punt for this week is um but yeah and do you want to tell us a bit about your choices andy
2: shall you both of them together yeah yeah i might as well sure so for my uh, my short-term weekly punt um with the injury to Rodri. And the, um, the red card for Fernandinho, I think that Ilkay Gundogan is a, a shoe-in a for the City midfield. And when he plays that role, he just tends to sort of randomly pop up with goals and assists. He's, takes, so he's sort of a, a surprise-free kick-taker sometimes. Um, so yeah, uh, he, he's my, my weekly punt, because I think he'll play, and they're, they're up against Southampton. So um, we expect a, a thrashing in that game. Um, my monthly gut punt, is um Callum Hudson-Odoi who we mentioned earlier isn't necessarily a shoe-in for to play every game given uh Christian Pulisic's um prolifics if you will uh but I think that he even when he doesn't start he'll get on for the last 20 minutes against tired legs and if he does start he's an extremely talented player in a very attacking side and so um yeah I think he's likely to get uh if he plays two out of the four games and gets ten points in each of those two games, something like that, I think that's not not unachievable given the fixture list they've got. Um, and so, yeah, I think uh, I think he's a decent decent shout for the next month.
3: Yeah, and and Chelsea seem to be um, scoring goals at, at fun this season, aren't they? So the, their attacking players seem to be a good good long term bet.
2: Yes, indeed. So uh, yeah, he's my he's my long term bet and
3: going to go for this week. Great. Um, so I'm moving on to Ben. Um, you've gone a bit maverick in this this section and doubled up. So you're putting all your eggs in in one bright and shaped basket. So Ben, do you want to tell us a bit about your your choice?
1: Yeah, my choice is Aaron Connolly at four point six million two percent ownership. Uh, for my weekly pick, I think he'll do pretty well against Norwich. Um monthly Brighton have a tough run of fixtures but I don't know. I think Brighton this season are a very different team and um more attacking teams. So I think I'm 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 betting he'll nail down his spot in this next month and hopefully get me some points.
3: Excellent. And I, I should say that um uh, Matt um who's not on the pot this week, but he's also putting his eggs in the Brighton basket, at least for the weekly punt. He's going for Leandro Trossard, who um, we talked about quite a lot at the start. Um, and he, he's just come back from injury. So Matt's obviously backing him to make an impact this week. And for his monthly pick, he's... Well, I, as I say, I, do, I will remind our the listeners that Matt is bottom of the table. But for for his monthly November pick, he's going for Scott McClumney, the um, Man United... <laughs> Terrier there. Um, although I think McTominay actually has quite a few points this season. So um so yeah, what what's everyone think of the McTominay pick for, for November?
0: I think um I think Matt's he's done something that that you should never do, which is when you're a Dullard, you try and go Maverick, but you pick Dullard picks. So McTominay is a Maverick Dullard pick and I don't think it's gonna work out for him. If it does, I'll be very impressed and I'll take my hat off to him. But do you get what I mean? It's like, it's maverick, but it's also quite dullard.
2: I, um, I posted earlier on our WhatsApp group the, um, the definition of the word delusion, which is an idiosyncratic belief or impression that is firmly maintained despite being contradicted by what is generally accepted as a reality or rational argument, typically a symptom of a mental disorder. That is how I would describe picking Scott McTominay. <laughs> um,
0: he's got form for this as well. He's, he's, gone, a bit, he's gone a bit weird. He, he's normally such a sensible player. He's brought in Nicola Pepe this week into his team as a Maverick pick. It's just, it's, it's off the wall. He's gone avant-garde. <laughs> do do we someone, think he's having like a him. midlife
3: crisis? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe. I, whatever's happening to him, I'm
2: quite worried. <laughs>
3: Okay, well, well. Anyway, we'll, we'll let we'll we'll let Matt defend himself maybe on the next pod and, and fight back with that uh, with his rationale once once Pepe and McTominay have blasted in hat tricks uh, next week. Um, so yeah, Duncan, do you want to tell us a bit about your picks?
0: Yeah, so for my weekly pick, I've gone for a guy that I was um, shouting out in the previews for game week eleven. It's Benjamin Mendy. So he's come back into the team after his injury. Uh, he's played two games in the last uh, two game weeks. He's got a clean sheet in both of those. Um, he's, yeah, 5.9 million. So he's dropped down from his kind of premium defender price, 1.1% owned, and he has a history of, you know, good attacking returns for a, for a defensive player. So I think he's a great pick at the moment. Mark Southerns, who, who runs Fancy Football Scout, has brought him into his team this week. And I think it's that kind of, He's one of those players where if you're looking to climb the rankings, you're looking for players with a lot of explosive potential with a low ownership that um, people aren't thinking about just yet. And I think Mendy definitely falls into that category. Um, Yeah. So I think he's a good pick for this week against Southampton at home. I think that's a great chance of a clean sheet and attacking returns down that left flank as well. Um, And Southampton's right, which is their dodgy half. Um, and for my monthly pick, I've gone for Jose Perez, um, picked up a hat-trick. So I'm definitely chasing the points, um, but I'm hoping that that kind of gives them a confidence boost, get, gives them a bit of time in the team as well. And I think Leicester, having watched that game, they just look so impressive. And I, I wanted to pick one of them. It was either Perez or Harvey Barnes under the six million point. Um, Perez has dropped down from 6.5 to 6 million now. So I think now is the time to pick him up. Um, yeah, and I think he offers a lot more attacking threat than, than Harvey Barnes. So I think he's a, a decent shout. And his ownership is is down to 4.1% as well. So he's a nice differential for a kind of striker playing out of position slightly.
3: Yeah, and he, he tends to kind of score, score in clutches, doesn't he? Because he, he kind of... Um... Towards the end of last season, he was banging the goals in. So hopefully for the Perez owners, he's he's hitting that run of form because I know I know a lot of people had him at the start, but but maybe not so much now. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, just, yeah so I, don't, I, th- I think I think that's a good pick. So I, I think yeah, so some some definite ones to think about there for the month: Hudson, Adoy, Perez. Who knows, McTominay? I, I can kind of just in a little bit of defensive of Matt, I can see where he's kind of coming from. In terms of Manu's fixtures, look very good, um, and I was toying with actually um, Pereira for this um, for this spot. He's not a player who's done much recently, but he plays a bit further forward than McTominay and seems to be getting minutes at the moment. Um, but instead, for my monthly pick, I'm going to go with Dwight McNeil, um, who is a bit of a favourite of mine. I, I don't know; I had him in the team briefly last year, um, but I, I feel like he Burnley don't have a lot of routes to goal but he seems to be involved in a lot of what they've done. He's already got four assists so far this season Um, and I think why Burnley are interesting is that they've at least for November they've got some very nice fixtures coming up. They've got two away games at Sheffield United and Watford which they could feasibly win and two home games at home to West Ham Um, and maybe the trickiest is at home to Palace because they they do travel well but but you'd think they're all winnable games and I think that that for uh, £6 million, um, Dwight McNeil's a good one. Um, and then short term, just for this week, um, because I'm smashing the um, the, the pick up punts table, but I'm never having these players in my team, I'm going to go with a player in my team just to, just to hope that somehow this will rub off on my drastically underperforming fantasy team. So um, someone I brought in the, this week, um, Aaron Cresswell from West Ham, um, partly because he had some some nice looking fixtures coming up particularly last week to Sheffield United which didn't work Um, but next Saturday West Ham are at home to Newcastle so um, I'm backing on him getting a clean sheet against them and maybe some attacking returns as well so yeah we'll we'll keep you updated maybe on uh, at the end of the month who's got the most points out of these players and then at the start at the end of November we'll pick we'll pick a player to watch for December for everyone
2: I think Dwight McNeil is a cracking shout. I think uh, he's, uh, like you say, he's one of their main sort of creative players. He takes their corners and they're a big, tall side that's, you know, dangerous from corners. So that's a really good shout, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think I saw a stat on Match of the Day this week that he has the most, he's created the most chances or has the most crosses for the Burnley team. Probably not much competition, but yeah, a good shout at six million. I like that one. And I like that you've backed your gut and brought Cresswell in as your gut punt and into your own team.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think I've, I've already got off to such a bad start this season. I've just got to try and um, do a few more gut punts now because it's not it's not going to uh, it's not going to be a glory season. I've got a lot of catching up to do.
0: I think, a based- like, um, irisist- Sorry, Duncan. Based on your, your gut punt, outrageous lead and form, I think you've just got to bring in those players to your team. Whoever your gut punt is, bring them in.
2: I think it's uh, yeah. an interesting moment. It's like an irresistible force meets the immovable object. Is Gary's gut punk form going to win, or is Gary's fantasy team form going to cut and <laughs> go without? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I'm, I've got my eyes in
3: our league on the, the Hivemind team. I think they're catchable. They, they, they're struggling a bit at the moment. They're not making many substitutions and uh, floundering a little bit. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Kinda of left last week with tips for Madison and Martial who both scored today. Yeah. But um yeah, no, it's uh I I I think I think maybe the the hive mind team is gonna is gonna turn it round soon as well.
0: Yeah, well have a listen back to the to that section this week. I think you'll be pretty impressed by the transfers we've made. Possibly less maverick than you would have gone, but definitely some good transfers in there. Um If you don't follow us already on Twitter, give us a follow at FPLFFfanatics. You can get in touch with us uh, through Twitter as well. It'd be great to hear from you guys. Um, And if you like the show, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, It would be brilliant and it would mean that other people um, can find the show and hopefully will like it as much as you guys do as well. So we really appreciate that. Um, So it leaves me to say thank you for your insight, Gary.
3: Thanks very much.
0: Thank you for insight, Ben.
1: You're welcome, and I, I enjoyed Gary's uh, injury time substitution to our pod.
0: And thank you for your insight, Andy.
2: You're welcome. I, I enjoyed our little chat about Matt's um, newfound maverickness. I, uh, I, I hope it's not as bad as we, as we think it's going to be.
0: Yeah, that McTominay hat trick is co- just coming. And thank <laughs> you for, thank you for listening, guys. Speak to you next week. Nice one guys. I'm gonna split if that's okay. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Sounds
3: good. Well thanks guys (laughs) everyone. Cheers.